everybody, my name is Alex, and you're listening to Lunchbox Radio Sunday Edition. Now, I want to talk about something odd this week, but I think it's still worth going into because I've been watching something, I've been watching many things that are just straight up nostalgia watches. Like, I have embarked on an entire rewatch of the full Avatar thing, the full Avatar The Last Airbender thing, since... If you are dead to the world, you may not know Avatar The Last Airbender has a live-action Netflix adaptation coming out at some point. But as a kind of stealth hype device, basically, they they recently got the rights to the entire four seasons of Avatar The Last Airbender, the entirety of Avatar The Last Airbender, including the live-action movie, which you should not watch because they do not pronounce any of the names correctly or the same which is kind of impressive, twice. (laughs) The entirety of the Avatar The Last Airbender TV series, the original one from Nickelodeon, well, chorus from Nickelodeon 2, is now on Netflix. So I started there, and then when I got to Korra, I got super pissed off at the universe and DRM rights and bullshit because, just so you know, the only place to reliably watch Korra in its entirety and own it outright, or the best place I found, is just to buy outright from iTunes, which is what I did, for like 60 bucks or something. I just basically, I got pissed off at streaming rights for a good couple days. I was just fuming. From watching that, and I'm also re-watching Teen Titans on, from um, Cartoon Network on HBO Max, in their like DC section, I'm re-watching that. And... Rewatching those got me to thinking about how you continue a show successfully. Because if you're not a big Avatar The Last Airbender fan, you and I'm going to talk about anime that do this that do sim, that continue their their own series as well here. I just want to start with this because this is where the idea came from. But if you're not a big Avatar The Last Airbender fan or if you've never seen the show, A, I encourage you to Go watch it. Go give it a shot. It's a super fun adventure show that can go really great places. But when they decided to continue Avatar The Last Airbender, it it got a lot of flack. And that's for two reasons primarily. The first reason is that Nickelodeon had a bunch of scheduling bullshit happening... And they kept moving Korra, the Avatar The Last Airbender Legend of Korra is what it's called, around everywhere. So, like, it would be on it in the middle of the day, and then it would be on at 9 o'clock, and then it would be on first thing in the morning, and it became this, just this kind of mess. You couldn't really catch it when you wanted to catch it, so it wasn't doing the numbers it needed to do for them to keep the commitment of broadcast time. And that happened for about the first two seasons. And then the last two seasons actually aired exclusively on Nickelodeon.com. Which made them easier to go watch, but harder, but less visible because they were online only in an era of streaming when when if something was on TV, it was on TV. Even if you could go find it streaming later, it was on TV. So people just kind of dropped off it because it was genuinely hard to keep up with the scheduling snafus. But that's neither here nor there. The other reason that Korra was received badly, I would say, is because 
people had spent four seasons with the original team avatar, so to speak. What I mean by that is they spent four seasons with Aang, Katara, Toph, and Sokka, and eventually Zuko as the main characters. And Avatar The Last Airbender set itself up to be a perpetual series that could go on for as long as it wanted or needed to. And the reason, the way it did that is actually the story function of weight of the Avatar cycle. As long as they stick to that cycle, and long as they stick to the next Avatar will be like an Earthbender, and then the one after that, a Firebender, the one after that, an Airbender, the one after that, a Waterbender, and go through that cycle. As long as they stick to that, they could tell any kind of story with any kind of set of characters they wanted. And that's really ingenious. But the thing is, I think got people was, because they were looking forward to seeing Aang and the gang again, to see a character set that A, isn't, isn't that, and B, is so different in many ways, I think that people missed how successfully the Legend of Korra continues the mythology of Avatar. Yes, it like messes with some things. The spirit world definitely looks different than it is, seems to be imagined in Avatar The Last Airbender originally, but that can be interpreted however you want to interpret it. And the other thing that it doesn't do that, helps, that ha tends to help people along with a continuation of a old property like Avatar is that they don't they don't really use the characters that are left alive in a way where they are always there. So give this example. Um, another continuation series, another second series in the universe of show that's running right now is Boruto. Boruto is the continuation of Naruto. But if you look at the most successful parts of Boruto, they feature the character originally in Naruto. So a really recent example in that show is there's a scene where they just have Guy Lee show some kids what's up. Or, or Mike Guy show some kids what's up. Specifically show um, Metal Lee, Rock Lee's kid, what's up. And... For new for new characters, what that section of that what that fight does that shows this super powerful character who they've only ever seen in a wheelchair and they're like, oh yeah, I always got the sense he was a badass. But for old fans, you get to see Guy Mike Guy wreck house again. You get to have the nostalgic moment come into the present again. Um, the same thing with the Hokage and the Seven Springs storyline in that in that show, which is actually originally the first test chapter of the Boruto manga that they did, which is really interesting, because they pretty quickly are just like, okay, we don't need Boruto for this. We're just going to focus on Sasuke the War Criminal's kid and friggin' Naruto just going on an adventure together. <laughs> We don't need, like, the, like, at some point it might involve Mishiki, but we don't care about that right now. But 
So, what you have in something like Korra is you are missing the nostalgia factor. And they have changed the... They have... They take uh, awesome risks in this show in changing the way the world looks and the way the world is so drastically that it's... It is so different from the world of Avatar. But what they do what they do really successfully in, and I think they do amazing things successfully in Korra is by moving away from the twelve year old little kid, they get to have the complex storylines of, you know, somebody who's a young adult who's anywhere from seventeen to twenty one. The oldest of the main cast gets when they are um, in the show is Asami, is I believe Asami, and she's 22 by the end of that show. She's a year older than Korra. But, and Korra and Asami end up together clearly as a couple. That is a huge moment in that show's fandom and in the Avatar fandom of look, I may not like the show, but the fact that they ended their second series with a same-sex couple going going off into the world to do their own thing is really good. <laughs> it's really good. And don't get me wrong, Korra isn't a perfect show, but I think that it's so imaginative that I started thinking about how is it that you successfully continue a series? And I thought about a few different properties. I'm now thinking about, which is one of the things I always think about when I'm on the show for some reason, and that is Black Lagoon. Black Lagoon, Roberta's Blood Trail, is a great like revisit of that world where it, it feels like an extra... It feels like you're getting extra time with the characters. It feels like you're seeing Rock and Revy after they've had their, like, moment in Tokyo where Rock is a different person and Revy is a different person. And to be clear, Rock and Revy fuck hard. Like, that. that's just true. They, it's very clear they sleep together. <laughs> they do everything but show it in that show, in that, in Roberta's blood trail. And... That is a really super successful continuation of the Black Lagoon universe. And, like, it's the way they've set that show up by the end is they can just tell more stories with that. Um, with that cast and in that setting. And they're pretty much fine as long as they get the tone of the setting and the tone of the characters right, they can go for broke, which they do in the Roberta Blood Trail entirely. Another great version of this is, um, is the second... It's the second... I think it's technically the third season of Darker Than Black, the Ganymede's Comet. OVAs, I think. It's like a 13-episode OVA run. 
but that's a really successful like re replanting of those characters in a different setting and with a different set of circumstances that wasn't true in the first series for Darker Than Black. And it's unfortunate that that show is so hard to find to stream. The um, third season, the OVA season, is so hard to find to stream because it's really kind of phenomenal. It's about a girl who is becoming a contractor. Like, her star fell and you you have to basically sit with her this entire show as she becomes this emotionless, like, killing machine. <laughs> and she doesn't know what's happening to her. And it, it's really emotional. And they have Hay there as a kind of guide to show her, look, this is what's going to happen to you. This is, what, this is why you cry every time after you use your power. That's your price. I, that's the price of your contract. All this other stuff. And it recontextualizes not just Hay, but the world of that show because you realize, oh shit, all the contractors have to have someone to tell them, like, this is why this happened, this is why this is happening to you, this is why your emotions are all fucked up. And they have to, or else, like, if somebody misses their, if somebody doesn't pay their price in that show, in as a contractor, they die. So it makes sense that they would be, that contractors would just be like, look, I'm just going to show you the rope because you really shouldn't die. And also this is how you make money. Like that makes sense to me. But a way I also want to bring up shows that don't do this successfully. And there's a weird facet of anime. Especially, especially anime that gets made because of the overwhelming popularity of the creator and then the manga, but then not the show. So if you look at something like Air Gear, Air Gear tells maybe the first third of that story in its anime. The rest of that story is in its manga. But at some point they decided to make a prestige project that was just a section, just like a three-chapter section later on in the manga. And even as somebody who knows that story and understands where they were and watched, um, I think it was called the like Sleeping Forest arc, and watched that section, having seen it in manga form and read it in manga form, it comes off as really confusing and disjointed because all the characters have changed so much and all the characters and there are new characters and there's no amount of explanation that could be given. And as a rule, unless it is an absolute hilarious joke like it is, unless it's an played off as a gag like it is in Paradise Kiss, you, your viewer should never be left wondering who a character is, why they're there. A, a thing that Avatar does super successfully, that um, Korra does super successfully as a continuation of Avatar, is when you meet Aang's, ki when you meet Aang's kids, they, they tell you that, and you, you understand the path they went on, but they also show you beforehand 
oh, hey, in this picture with Aang, with Aang and Katara, they have three kids. So your brain is set up to know that they have three kids. You've only met Tenzin up until now, but there are two out there that the story has yet to introduce you to. You meet a character like Iroh, who is voiced by the same person who voices Zuko, and you realize Iroh is Zuko's dad. It, it, like, Zuko is Iroh's grandfather, I believe. And you realize that pretty quickly before he says it out loud. And also, just to, once again, the Avatar cycle allows for the Avatar to be this... The Avatar as a being to be this connection point between all these people. To be this connection point of Lin Beifong, Toph's daughter, to her father, to... To Ang, where they can say, "Oh no, Tom, Lin just seems to hate you. Her and Ang were really good friends." <laughs> and as an aside, it's like an aside um, conversation. Lin says, "I can't believe." You. Lin says to Tenzin, "I can't believe that your dad got reincarnated into that girl." She's got spunk, and he was really sweet and gentle. <laughs> and as a as a as a rule, the more connection you can you can make with your series for, between the two series in a like a two series long property or multiple series long property probably the better it is because those connections back and when you can make them visually and with little audio gags and with little all these little pieces that may fe feel like fan service but they are world but they are kind they're a kind of backwards world building makes it feel a lot makes it feel a lot fuller, a lot richer, a lot less a lot less just like a cash grab. Part of the problem with um Boruto it, it feels it feels like they wanted the money press to keep going with that show. And some of that the behind the scenes stuff like Kishimoto is just like, no, I've made my money. I'm not talking I will supervise this and you will pay me to supervise it. But I will not touch a single page of that fucking manga. My inker can do it. That's how little I care. And don't get me wrong, stuff like Boruto has its redeeming, redeeming qualities and the exploration of Naruto turning into just a sh really, really petty, shitty anime dad is... It's something I built an, a whole panel for conventions around, but it just doesn't. It just doesn't flow as well as it used to. It, 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 that show doesn't flow as well as the original Naruto did, and sometimes the original Naruto just did not flow at all. So, 
Another show I want to talk about is Genshiken. Now, if you remember Genshiken, Genshiken was originally an entirely male cast. And then what they did with Genshiken, kind of similarly to what they did with Avatar, is they flipped the cast to be almost entirely female. Now, in Avatar, they just flipped the gender of the main character and arguably flipped the age. They aged... They aged the Avatar up by like almost ten by more than ten years at the end and flipped her to and flipped the Avatar to being female. So in Genshiken when the first she was of Genshiken, Genshiken one, as it were, is about a college anime about college anime club of of entirely boys. Well almost entirely boys. It's there's Saki, but Saki is just kind of there because she's into thought, into um, what's his face, the blonde kid. And then after, when they get to Genshiken Namida, which is the anime, but I think it's just called Genshiken Two as a manga. It is Sasahara is the only one left in the Genshiken of the Genshiken original cast. Really, they bring on some of them here and there as, like, bit characters, but it's an entirely female cast, and it's all about the female point of view for a... um, for, uh, uh, the female point of view of an otaku. And it it's... A, it's not a totally different show, but it comes off totally different because it's from a very different point of view. But it still exists in the same universe as Genshiken and is still very clearly linked in a way that lets it exist and not and not feel super disconnected and super wobbly. Now, the last thing I want to talk about is actually the Teen Titans, the original Teen Titans. Um, Teen Titans Go is a nightmare of a property and is made for little kids. And every time I see a clip from Teen Titans Go, my brain only thinks, what is happening? Why is this happening? Why are they turning into cars? Why is Robin's butt such a thing? It's creepy and it makes me feel bad. But the original Teen Titans does have a... It has a narrative problem. And the narrative problem has to do with the very last episode in that series. And it relates back to the second season of the series. And what I mean by that is... It... The... Story... The... Storyline of Terra in that show, which, spoiler alert for Teen Titans, if you've never seen Teen, Teen Titans, you can now finally watch it all in one place, with the exception of Big Trouble in Little Tokyo, and that place is HBO Max. Have fun. But, Terra is such a emotional storyline because it deals with a character who is not generally overly emotional is not generally given the opportunity to attach to be attached to anybody and that is Beast Boy. Beast Boy is like 
this kind of goofy, funny character. But in like in the like storyline in the second season with Terra, you see him and Terra have a relationship. You see them really fall in love and really care for each other. And you see Terra ultimately try and save Beast Boy from what she ends up attempting to do to the Titans. And then she vanishes and she comes back as like first as an agent of first, first as a secret agent of Slade and then an outright bad like Slade henchman Slade's um apprentice, so to speak. And but she she still cared for Beast Boy and Beast Boy still cares for her and they pitch it as friends, but they have very clear like they say friends only because they can't it feels like they couldn't say girlfriend in that show or else like it would get bumped from like TV7 to TV13 instantly somehow. Like, wait, you mean there's a possibility that these people kiss on the cheeks? That's not allowed. You push that back till 10 o'clock, sir. <laughs> what? I, the, the, the final episode of the season is this like... Is Beast Boy encountering someone who may or may not be Terra, who is faint, who is, you're led to believe, clearly feigning memory loss? And it's supposed to be about change, but what it, what it ends up being about is, like, the sadness of loss of a relationship, and it It feels like that episode belonged, like, later in, or closer to the first, to the second season, rather than at the end. Because the thing with that episode is it makes you leave that show on such a downer note that it it feels kind of sad. And... It just doesn't, and I, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that, like, season, like, series shouldn't play with, like, ending things on a downer note or ending things negatively. I'm rewatching Korra right now, like I said, and by the, at the end of the third season, she is in a wheelchair. And for some reason, I wish to God everything in my soul that we got at wheelchair avatar wheelchair Korra, that would be awesome. But it it eventually she recovered, but the thing with Korra is they bring that back and they The Legend of Korra uses that basically makes its show fucking treat that character treat its main character like trash. So to speak, as a way of forcing her to grow constantly. And that makes it successful. That makes it avoid the um, issues that Teen Titans has, where by that last episode, it doesn't. It feels like Teen Titans is kind of like going and starts. As soon as it leaves, 
it, you just know that it's no longer on the air because it's going in circles and it doesn't feel like it's continuing every anything. It feels like it's constantly going one circle, two circle, three circle, four circle kind of thing. And it just... Don't get me wrong. I love Teen Titans. I love me some Cartoon Network original Puffy Amiyumi scored Teen Titans. It's great. But it... It's not a show that feels like it was built for its own continuation, if that makes any sense. Something like, um, and actually another really famous show that has this same problem is Cowboy Bebop. Cowboy Bebop, the only like excessive thing that um, came after the movie, came after the show, is... Knocking on Heaven door, Heaven's Door, the movie, the thing that I've talked about. But it doesn't... That show puts a, such a hard end on it that there's no way it can be... You can really go past it. That's why the movie is has a continuity place it fits into instead of having a... Instead of being after the series, as many, as many movies are. They're a continuation, a last dab at... The a, a, a last section of time to spend with those characters and in that world. I just I I found the idea of continuing a series really interesting and really really challenging because of because of how successful I believe something like Korra is at it, but how hamstrung is what I would where I would use something like Boruto is for it because Naruto ran for so long. It ran for hundreds of episodes and due to the amount of time that Naruto, the original Naruto and then Naruto Shippuden was on the air, you had to spend so much time in that world with those characters all the time and in so many different combinations that when you get to Boruto... Uh, the thing you end up watching as an old fan is the is the older adult character. You, and that's probably the reason why Boruto is now pitched as a family show because there are families in Japan where the kids are watching Boruto but the adults grew up watching Naruto. And it... The... I think the worst failure you can have when you're attempting to continue a series is that your that the viewer can't look past the characters from the old from, from the from the original series. So in Korra, the characters you meet like Tenzin and like Lin and later um Lin's sister are all second, third generations, or, or General Iroh, are all second, third generations from the families of the original of the original cast of Avatar, where the only the characters you meet who were the original Avatars who, are, who were in the original Avatar, you do meet Aang, because of course they have to, you see Sokka at one point in a flashback, 
but you don't technically meet him. They show him to you. The characters you meet who are alive are Katara, is like an old, old lady. She's like in her 80s. And Toph, who is like also in her 80s. So, and they use those characters sparingly as little reminders of the link the Avatar as a concept has to the flow of time. That when you meet Katara, Katara is really helpful and really... It's really helpful and really trusting of Korra because she went on an adventure with Aang. So when Korra wants to leave her like comp- the compound they set up for her, Katara's like, "You sh- you should do this. This is what this is what being an avatar part of what being an avatar is about. Go." When you meet when Korra meets Toph, Toph calls her Twinkle Toes. And that's a direct callback. And she remembers Avatar Aang and, well, for lack of a better word, I'm going to use the word sees, but Toph can't see. She's blind. But she sees Aang in Korra. And it, it becomes this beautiful thing instead of what so often in something like Boruto becomes a weight that's propping up the show, like a support beam that's propping up the show when you see somebody like Naruto in Boruto. Or when Naruto had a conversation with another character from the original Naruto Shippuden or Naruto cast. And like you can tell the kids don't know what's fucking happening. You can tell when like Naruto meets sees Orochimaru, they have, like, a moment where they stare each other down and, like, they just, like, have their own moment completely independent of Sadara, who's like, who's my dad? Or who's my mom? And it's just... It's... It's... It feels like something like say Black Lagoon is taking the viewer along for the ride and it taking new viewers along for the ride. If the, if new viewers start with Robert Blood Trail, it still pretty much makes sense. They fill you in on just about everything you need to know. But if new viewers watch Naruto, watch Boruto, they identify Naruto as Boruto's dad. <laughs> Boruto's shitty dad. And the show encourages them to do that. Now, if you're watching Boruto and you don't know who Naruto is, I, I don't know what the fuck you're doing, but that will happen one day, and that's when we'll all feel the oldest, is when the Boruto dad jokes are not jokes anymore, but they're real. And so that's, those are really my thoughts on continuing... a continuing a series and how to do it well and how to do it not so well. If you like this episode, I do Sunday episodes. Every Sunday, I do normal, like, proper reviews of shows and movies every third day. You can subscribe to this podcast and whatever you're hearing me in right now. And if you really like it, 
you can leave me a five-star review, preferably in iTunes, but anywhere will help the podcast. And until third day, until next time, I've been Alex. You've been listening to Lunchbox Radio Sunday Edition. I'll talk to you on Thursday.